beyond duty and joy. Too many friendships, collectives, and projects have been needlessly scuttled due to schisms over our basic motives for engaging in political work. These divisions over our fundamental motivations threaten even the most ideologically, quote, pure projects or collectives. This obstacle is more pervasive and destructive than green versus red sectarianism or the earlier division over pacifism versus, pacifism versus direct action. They also have the unfortunate ability to rip apart friendships and leave people wondering what went wrong. Despite the perennial and pernicious, pernicious, pernicious aspects of this conflict over motivations, very little has been written about it from an anarchist perspective. So what exactly is this implicit threat to active work? The answer can be found in Keeble's basic motivations for engaging in projects. As we all know, much of the work we do is unglamorous and demands a great deal of energy and resources. Our actions often fail to live up to our lofty expectations, and at times they can even put us in serious danger. Burnout is an incredibly common malady for activists who have put enormous amounts of time and energy into their projects. Because of these pitfalls, understanding the motivations of the people we choose to work with is every bit as important as knowing their politics. Projecting your own mo motivations onto others in a collective is a sure recipe for resentment and disaster. Traditionally, there have been two major strains of motivations, or perceived motivations, in anarchist politics, duty and joy. Like any duality, it is easy to fall into the trap of simplistic black-and-white labels, ignoring the more realistic continuum of grace. Instead, think of these of two motivations as the end points on a continuum, illuminating everything in between. Motivations cannot be separated from expectations. We are motivated to engage in particular projects because we have certain favorable expectations about our commitment. Expectations that are not only that are not collectively shared or even expressed can be detrimental to salient course for projects. Because meaning expectations is the main way we evaluate the efficiency of any work or project, differences in expectations will cause differences in evaluation. These differences are capable of crippling the ability of collective to learn from past mistakes, since different measuring sticks are being used. Just as duty and joy are inherently different in motivations, so will there be an equally divergent set of expectations that in turn lead to conflicting evaluations and analyses of what success means for a collective or a project. Fundamental motivational orientations, such as duty and joy, are more tenacious than other political disagreements because they are often a result of basic personality traits. Motivations that reside in the subconscious or unconscious are resistant to most forms of intellectual arguments, historical precedents, logical manipulations, and other conscious mechanisms. In short, our reasons for doing particular projects can't always be explained intellectually. These conflicting motivational traits are potentially the most divisive element we encounter in our daily collective work. 
To find our way out of this minefield of motivational psychology, we need to understand how these two polarizing types manifest themselves and seek new ways of doing things that complement both of them. Duty has been the traditional motive for radical projects. Until recently, it was the most prevalent trend in anarchist communities. This is undoubtedly due to our tragic history. Anarchist struggles have, for the most part, been a string of bitter defeats, repressions, and marginalizations. So what has motivated comrades to work so hard and selflessly for so many dark years? The answer seems to be a strong sense of duty, based on a heightened notion of justice, married to a belief of a better world. The duty model has created a cult of martyrs, those who have given up everything for the cause. Those working within the duty model expect the work to be hard and unappreciated, but still feel it must be done. Duty-bound anarchists give little thought about whether their work is joyful or fulfilling. Duty-driven typical work tends to be characterized by endless meetings, struggle, shit work, and long hours. One's commitment is measured by a simple formula of labor hours to unpleasantness of tasks volunteered for. Sacrifice becomes a consistent and relified ideal for duty-bound anarchists. Due to the amount of energy and unsatisfying work consumed, there is a deep concern about longevity of projects and evaluations about their effectiveness in promoting the cause. Duty tends to put a lot of emphasis on maintaining projects. Often considerable energy is used to perpetuate projects that may have outlived their original function or have never reached their potential. The expectations of those working from a duty model tend to be externalized. The evaluation of success and failure is based on external factors. These factors usually include media exposure, impact in the community, recruitment, funds raised, or longevity. Many of these expectations are easily quantifiable, and thus empirical analysis is the prime form of evaluation for duty-bound anarchists. This emphasis on quantity and empiricism leads to a desire to increase quantifiable results. The duty-bound approach is similar in motivations, expectations, and evaluations to historic and current trends of the political left. Joy is a relatively new oppositional force in anarchist work, though we have always paid at least lip service to joy in anarchist thinking. This is exemplified by Emma Goldman's famous quote, If I can't dance, I don't want to be part of your revolution. The newer joy model in anarchism comes from the punk, pagan, and traveling cultures of the late 1980s, and it's a it's a direct inheritance of the hippies in the 1960s new left. Its motivation is based on the pleasure principle. Joy seeks to turn political work into play. It rejects the martyr and sacrifice, and sacrifice tropes of the old left and replaces them with carnival and celebratory metaphors. Joy judges political work not on labor hours or sacrifice, but on how exciting and empowering a project may be on a personal and collective level. Due to the need of activism to be exciting and empowering, joy-fueled projects are often transitory, falling apart soon after the initial thrill fades. They often give little thought to the long-term impact of projects on their community. 
joy-motivated anarchists also tend to be more skeptical of the historical projects that duty-bound anarchists revere. Just as with duty, activists motivated by joy have expectations that are shaped by their motivation. The expectation of work tends to be internalized. Emphasis is given to subjective experiences and focuses on qualitative changes as opposed to quantitative measurements. Expectations often include fun, empowerment of the participants, consciousness raising, excitement, creativity, and novelty. Projects that fail to meet these qualitative measures are viewed as deficient and ones that reach at least some of these goals as successful regardless of any outside impact. The joyful emphasis on individual needs, subjective experiences, and empowerment more typical of certain strands of hedonistic hippie and punk subcultures than of the traditional political left. Since few anarchist projects neatly fit into either the duo at the beginning, these personalities find themselves working together. At first, this can lead to tension and subsequent, subsequently leads to resentment and expulsion. This has happened so many times in recent years that it is relevant social anarchism versus lifestyle anarchism debate that fails to do anything except alienate and misrepresent both types of motivations. We realize that the discussion of joy and duty could create a similar divide, and if this was our goal, it would be hypocritical. Instead, we should try to understand the entire spectrum of motivations without attempting to create a false, quote, unity in motivation, or, on the other hand, starting another sectarian battle. Seeking meaning from the duty and joy styles can be compared to the process of achieving consensus. A shorthand has been developed by both ends of the continuum to attack each other without shedding on light on the real motivational differences that affect their commitments. This creates one more way for anarchists to factionalize. This essay is not simply a call for everyone to come together. That goal is highly unlikely and not even necessarily desirable. There are serious shortcomings in both motivational approaches, pointed out clearly by both sides of the divide, and thus a different set of approaches are needed. To be successful, a new approach must complement the strengths of both the duty and joy styles in order to maximize the solidarity within collectives working on anarchist projects and minimize the existing tension between people who embody either style. The good news is that a sizable number of anarchists doing work and engaged in projects are not on, a, on either extreme of the duty-joy continuum. We would like to suggest a motivational approach based on meaning. Hopefully, the articulation of meaning will not only alleviate the tension that suffocates most projects, but also provide impetus for novel and successful projects. Motivations based primarily on meaning have always been part of anarchy. In fact, the term meaning has been used by both the duty and joy camps to justify their approach while attacking each other. Since the word meaning has been claimed by both styles, it is important to explain what is meant by motivations both based on meaning. Eric Fromm described motivations based on meaning to, quote, 
contain both the objective duty and subjective joy ways of understanding. Unquote. Meaning is determined by analyzing the external effects and testing them against internal feelings. An anarchist motivated by meaning seeks both personal, internalized, and public, externalized impact from their efforts. Projects viewed in terms of their meaning can be evaluated more fully and appreciated more deeply from this perspective than from the other two limited approaches, namely because it acknowledges both quantifiable and qualitative desires. Our efforts can now be judged on multiple axes. No longer is it simply a matter of how many hours a person works, but also of the enjoyment she can manifest from her activities. A project need not be judged simply on how exciting and fun it is, but also by how effective it is in achieving its goal. Neither side of the continuum is superior to the other. Instead, harmony is sought in order to create meaning. The application of both expectations creates a richer and more nuanced analysis of our politics. Meaning also provides a useful tool for deciding which projects are worth expending our limited energy and resources. The meaningful approach has the advantages has the advantage of reclaiming the entire history of successful anarchist struggles and projects. It also provides a way for comrades tied to the extremes of the continuum to work with each other without surrendering or repressing their motivations. When we seek meaning in our projects, we demand the fullest realization of our efforts and resources. We will no longer settle for either end of the continuum, but seek the entire nexus. An emphasis on meaning limits the destructive effect of another per- perennial obstacle in anarchist work, burnout. Burnout comes when too much of our time and resources are squandered on meaningless projects. Meaningful endeavors actually create energy and gifts. They provide more impetus to continue our struggles, achieving long-standing projects. Meaning-based projects provide exciting opportunities and novel experiences that appeal to people all along the duty-joy spectrum. In a culture that mass-produces both expectations of duty-intensive labor and products of joyous Capitalism thrives on the extremes of the duty-joy continuum by creating meaningless relationships that divide us into workers or consumers. Anarchy provides a solution for this absurd dualistic society. Meaningful projects will be a better enticement for experienced anarchists and new folks alike. Only projects that honestly attempt to balance both external and internal needs will have any hope of providing lasting resistance to the meaningless miasma of everyday consumer culture. Neither duty nor joy alone can develop new and better ways of living in vibrant communities of resistance. Another world is indeed possible, but it must be a meaningful one.